Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Cody. Happy birthday to you. Thank you immensely for the birthday wishes as well as the dope-ass hardcore chocolate Bruiser Brody shirt. Oh, you're welcome. In style, man. In style. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Turnbuckle Boogie. I'm Timothy Styles, and with me is my partner in crime, professional wrestler, cutthroat Cody Hancock. Yes, indeed. Back in the studio, actually, after a few weeks, we've been recording remotely since you got covid Fun times had by none. Right. I got you a birthday present, and then you got COVID, and it's been sitting in the studio here for for weeks now. So I'm glad you finally got it. And I'm happy to have received it. It, it, Like I said, next time I do deadlifts, that thing is going on. Well, folks, before we start the show, I quickly want to mention that if you care to support the show, uh, we don't have ads. We don't have sponsors. And that's a conscious decision on my behalf because I'm a pretentious artist. I'd rather, if you gave us money, you got something in return. And a good way to do that is by going to turnbuckleboogie.com, clicking on the gimmick table, and getting uh, the official Turnbuckle Boogie t-shirt. Yeah, woo! (laughs) Or hoodie. (laughs) Actually, we sold some this past week. Hey! uh, Which warms my heart, so thank you to everybody who picked one up. Whoever, yeah, whoever picked one out, reach out to me, and uh, like, yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, if you're in the Las Vegas area, let's hang out. Just kidding. Please don't do that. Well, I mean, come to a wrestling show. Yeah. We'll hang out in the parking lot for as long as I can breathe. Or come over to my house. We'll play Dungeons and Dragons or some shit. You're actually good at playing Dungeons and Dragons by yourself right now. (laughs) I play a series of uh, solo tabletop RPGs because I'm already married and I have nothing to lose. <laughs> but if oh, you're wearing, but if you are single, good piece of advice from me to you. Put that turnbuckle boogie shirt on and go out and slay some sniz or whatever. What do yes. the kids say nowadays? Sniz, snoot, snout. <laughs> snout. That's disgusting. It could I mean it could be a snout. Let's boogie. You know, it's interesting. I was kind of uh, dreading doing this week's show. Why? Well, after the past couple of days, things have gotten weird in the world of professional wrestling. I'll tell you, I got a a text from uh, comedian James Mattern, uh, uh, who's a contributor on the show. Check out his new podcast, please. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention that in the intro. Uh, Folks, please support our buddy James. Uh, he has a new podcast. It's called Thanks for Coming Out. It's uh, on everywhere you get podcasts. Um, <clears throat> having said that, he gave he sent me a text. It said, uh, uh, Kevin Owens versus Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania. And apparently Cody and Brandy Rhodes are out of AEW. This was like first thing in the morning. Yeah. And I was waking up to this going, what in the fuck? Like... I felt weird. Yeah, it feels like you wake up in Bizarro World. A little bit. I mean, I'll attack the first part of that text first. Uh, Look, I love Stone Cold. I think if you were to put a gun to my head and say, 
name the Beatles of professional wrestling, I'd go, oh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Why, why the gun? It's not necessary. Yeah, it's, just put it away. It's yeah, fine. It's a common answer, and everyone, okay here. everyone should say that. Yeah. You know, who, who would be the alternative? Who would be the alternative? For some people, would they would say The Rock. Like, for some people, they'd say Hulk Hogan. I think Rick Flair would be Flair, up there. Absolutely. I don't know that. I think the casual person would say The Rock. Yes. Not knowing the extent of what he contributed to professional wrestling. His career was not as long as as, as people uh, might remember it to be. Not at all. Um, you know, his real contribution to entertainment has been in film. And uh, I assume he's probably involved in some sort of philanthropy outside of all the shit he does. Absolutely. I mean, the guy's worth a half a billion dollars. Must be I'm, nice. And I'm not exaggerating. Right. Must be nice. I actually looked up. It was a couple of weeks ago. I, I just wanted to know, what is this guy worth? And I Googled it. And it said, in 2016, he, he, he was estimated at $320 million. And that was 2016. He's been in 80 movies since then. Yeah, man. You know. It's pretty insane. Uh, unbelievable. Can you even imagine? It's I, I can imagine it would be a whole different set of problems. It is a whole different set of problems, but it's ones that he probably enjoys. But yeah, who you would, can just throw money at the problems. They'll go away. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, for, <laughs> for him, his problem is that he's had to go from eating seven pounds of chicken and fish and rice and broccoli a day to nine pounds. Which to keep, is... To keep that physique. Which is really... Guys, it's so expensive to be muscular. You have no idea how much money it costs to be buff. It costs a lot of money. I actually do know firsthand. I'll tell you why. Because I remember there was a MTV documentary back in the uh, the height of the Monday Night Wars. And it followed John Cena around when he was the prototype. Yep. And there was a whole section of it of him going grocery shopping and watching him buying... Uh, 80,000 chicken breasts and yep. eggs, and it was ridiculous. He's yeah. like, this packet here, this is one meal. Like, good God. Yeah, man. It's not easy. By the way, whenever you hear like, uh, John Cena, he's on the juice, I'm like, I remember that documentary and how much food that guy eats. I don't think so. Well, I mean, that's the one thing I, I've mentioned before, and I always like to mention it again. Uh, if anyone cares to watch Bigger, Stronger, Faster, it's a documentary on YouTube, and I recommend that anyone that is a professional wrestling fan or sports fan in general, your watch is trying to tell me not to plug this movie. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, what the? I turned the, the Do Not Disturb on. Apparently, it's not enough. Anyway. But Bigger, Stronger, Faster, watch that documentary. Right. Anyway, so I love Stone Cold Steve Austin, as everyone does. I don't know one person who would be like, Stone Cold, uh, don't care for him. Yeah. And if that person came along, much like if someone said, ah, the Beatles, I don't care for him. I would just go, hey, look, we can't be friends anymore. It's okay. you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I'll leave you alone for the rest of your life. How do you not like the Beatles? Good day, sir. I said good day. <laughs> well, here's the, here's the problem. If someone says they don't like the Beatles, to me, it ultimately means uh, I don't understand music. Yeah, I agree with that. Let's leave that behind us. Yeah. I'll act like you didn't say anything, for I, God's sake. I didn't say anything. Do you like the Beatles? Yeah. Oh, okay. There's nothing wrong with them. I thought you were alluding no. to that uh, that not, you did not like them. Not at all. Thank like, God. Like, it's, it's like... Uh, there was, if that was going to be the thing that broke up the show. Yeah. <laughs> 
like Yoko Ono fucking broke up the Beatles. That's right. <laughs> you would be the Yoko that broke up our little tag team. Era. There it is. But uh, so having said all that, I don't want him to come back no matter how. I'm sure, you know, it's a nice big fat payday. What do you think he makes? Five million dollars for a, a 10 minute match where yeah. Kevin Owens essentially works around him. Yeah. I, I don't want it. For, for me, I will always be curious to see what happens. Uh, I will never forget the feeling that I had watching Ricky Steamboat uh, at that WrestleMania against Chris Jericho, where he was with, I believe, Superfly Jimmy Snuka and Roddy Piper. Yes. And Jericho had to work around Snuka. Yeah. Jericho had to work around Piper. Jericho had to keep up with Steamboat. I don't know if he necessarily had to keep up now, with him, but and they they went and they had that singles match on <clears> Raw. <throat> yeah, and it was absolutely inspiring sure. enough to where they, I I'm so thankful that I had the time with Ricky Steamboat that I had. It mm. wasn't very long; it was three days. Right. And if that's all that I ever get, it's all. Oh, that I you ever mean need. physically being yes, with him. Be, right. being in the ring with him. Um, he actually talked about how he exceeded expectations at WrestleMania and at the return match on Raw. He was signed again, right? And they were planning on doing more with him. He was going to have more matches, right? And the matches that he had were amazing. It was during the NXT uh, run-ins <clears throat> that they ended up you giving... You mean the Nexus yes, business? Yeah. It, during the Nexus run-ins, um, let's Ricky, Let's be clear. There's two different NXTs. Yes. There was a terrible reality show. Actually, there's three different NXTs. There was a terrible reality show. Yeah. There was the thing that we all look back on and remember fondly. And, miss and then there's theory. what's going on now. <laughs> yes. So the the Nexus, uh, when they ran the storyline with them, uh, the members, I can't remember who it was specifically, but he got a really bad concussion mm-hmm. um, during this uh, spot where he was just Steamboat. taking moves. Steamboat did. Right. And Steamboat was already kind of it wasn't like it spoiled any big, big plans other than the fact is, is that he was supposed to do a lot more. Right. Um, I think that he may have alluded to there being a match with Justin Gabriel that mm-hmm. could have happened. Yeah. And I feel like that <laughs> is something that it would have been cool to see, but yeah, steamboat was, it was so cool for me to see that somebody could still go at that level. And I hope that it's that way for Austin. You know, well, yeah, I sure hope that it would be that way. He's 57 years old. He's still in great shape. Yep. You know, he does not look too much different. You know, the eyes are starting to sink in. The ears get a little bit bigger. I'm yep. sure his, his balls are hanging a little lower. Absolutely. <laughs> That's what happens to us guys, unfortunately. You Nose just, and ears and balls get bigger. You just double, double trunk up, man. And then you're going <laughs> to yeah. be fine. But here's the problem. Look, I like Stone Cold Steve Austin, and everyone likes Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's a protected character. Guess who I like today? Kevin Owens. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Owens, unfortunately, has been relegated to mid and lower card status in the WWE ever since his Universal title run, which was entertaining, by the way. Yeah. 
Um, so he's going to be the one going against Steve Austin. Uh, okay, fine. But that means that one of two things is going to happen. Um, he's going to do the, the greatest hits on Kevin Owens and then, you know, pop the beers and give the people a show. Yep. Uh, that's fine. It comes at the expense of any forward momentum of one of my favorite modern day professional wrestlers, or they abandon that protection and Steve Austin puts over Kevin Owens for, I'm sure a short term bump. And I think that the second option seems a lot more reasonable, but we're also talking about professional wrestling. No, we're talking about the WWE. Very true statement. Uh, So we'll, uh, I, I will, I will be paying attention uh, because that's, that is something that as a wrestler, um, I can understand the not wanting to be done yet type of thing. And uh, I don't think that's his thing. He's been, he's been retired from wrestling and, and he had a clean break. Right. Uh, Pardon the pun. He, he separated from the WWE and wrestling altogether and has been making a pretty good go of it. I imagine the only thing that is bringing him back is a Vince McMahon on his knees going, please, because they apparently there it's an 88,000 seats for two nights and they've not sold half of that. Right. Uh, so they need to pull in some big numbers. So I'm sure Vince McMahon is going, please, for God's sakes, we need it. We'll pay you $5 million. Right. All you got to do is stand there for 12 minutes and then let uh, Kevin Owens stun himself. Right. And and I will, like, maybe... We'll throw in a free six-pack. Maybe it's also something that he woke up and felt good. Maybe he got on a new workout program. Maybe the idea... Because apparently the idea between him and Punk was always there. Right? But the timing wasn't good. So, like I said, like I, I'm going to be as optimistic about it, and I will say things after I see it. I hope it goes well. Right. I personally feel like Austin had already really had to heavily modify his body of work from all the injuries he sustained before the Stone Cold run even happened. Yeah. You know, so I think that he's as long as he can still punch and kick. As long as he can still do the stunner. Yeah, he can make five it, yeah. million dollars. As long as he can still do the Thez Press. The problem is, is I don't pop for these sort of, you know, in the same way, like, I don't know, if you watch a movie and you see a cameo from another actor, yeah. I don't really pop that much. Right. You Nostal- know what I mean? Nostalgia doesn't tickle your fancy too much. N- not if there's no context. Right. You know, because what's going on now is Kevin Owens is just cutting promos about how shitty Texas is. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how we're going to draw in Stone Cold, I guess. Uh, if it's just for one and done, I just don't give a shit. Right. And there's no chance that, uh, do, 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 no chance in hell I just, that Stone Cold yeah. Steve Austin is going to come back and have another run, nor right. should he. No. So if this is just for a one-off thing, then I really don't care. I'd like to remember him probably how he'd like to be remembered. Right. I'm sure Shawn Michaels probably would like to be remembered uh, not for his last match, right? Where he was bald and it was a fucking big shit show in the middle of Saudi Arabia. 
This is Jim Cornette, and the views that I'm about to express are not necessarily those of anybody else but me, but they ought to be, and as a matter of fact, they probably are. You know, a lot of things in the wrestling world make me cranky these days, especially the way that some talent is treated and some talent is looked at by not only the promoters, but the wrestling fans as well. For example, a man like Arn Anderson, who just had to retire from this sport after giving it his entire life because of an injury that he suffered. A guy like Nature Boy Ric Flair, who in my opinion is one of the greatest talents in the history of this business. Guys like Mankind, Cactus Jack, Dude Love, whatever you want to call him, great talents in the WWF or WCW, but who gets a lot of the attention from the wrestling fans especially? Guys like the NWO, the New World Order. You know, all the fans think these guys are so cool and so sweet and so funny. Well, as far as I'm concerned, the NWO is like a bunch of guys meeting out in the backyard in a clubhouse in a tree. They're guys who all they have to, they got the easiest job in the world. All they have to do is go out there and be themselves. Childish, obnoxious, adolescent guys with a case of severe arrested emotional development and a fixation on trying to act macho. You got a guy like Kevin Nash, 40 years old, trying to act like a teenager. As far as I'm concerned, the biggest no talent in the business. He's got six moves, no mobility, and enough timing to come up, cover up for some of it. But what he does is he goes around and he manipulates. Kevin Nash had a multi-million dollar promotional company, the WWF, push him to the moon to make him a star, and then what does he do? He leaves after he gives his word to stay in, so by the way, he's a liar too. He leaves and he goes to WCW for a big contract. Why? More on that later. You got a guy like Scott Hall, who's a good wrestler, but good's about it. He's the best of the bunch. But he had the same million dollar promotional company make him a star after he'd been in this business 10 years without putting three asses in a seat. And what does he do? He goes to WCW for a big contract. Why? More on that later. And then you got a guy, what, a six, one, two, three kid. His name's Sean Mal Waltman, whatever you want to call him. Well, as far as I'm concerned, the only reason that he's employed is because the other guys think that he's funny when he gets drunk and throws up on himself. He has the distinction, in case you haven't noticed, of being the only guy since this wrestling war got started that was released from a valid contract from one company to go to the other side, which shows you how valuable he is. You know why they're all employed, why they're all in the spot they are today? Because of Eric Bischoff, the boss of WCW, not the NWO. Look at the credits on their pay-per-view if you can get one for free. The idiot's name is on it. He's the boss of WCW, he works for Ted Turner, and he throws a billionaire's money around just like water so that he can have guys that he likes to hang out with. Because even more than being a mark, yeah, for his own face and his own voice, Eric Bischoff is a guy who's a big fan of hanging around studly guys with long hair and beards that smoke cigars and ride Harleys so that some of that can rub off on his little pansy-ass frame. So he takes that billionaire's money and he throws it around like water to buy guys that he can hang around with to prove that his Johnson is bigger than everybody else's. And that's the sole reason that the NWO guys are employed. I think, me personally, that it's about time that the wrestling fans and the promoters, all of them in this business, started recognizing guys like Nature Boy Ric Flair, like Arn Anderson, like Cactus Jack, guys who bust their ass, who work hard and have ability and have talent to get where they are, instead of a bunch of guys that get to their spot by hanging around with the boss and sucking up. I'm Jim Cornette, and that's my opinion. So Cody Rhodes. <laughs> well, yeah, that, so that's, that's the other thing, yeah. right? Uh, the other big news. And I've heard, I mean, people immediately lost their minds. Yeah. They immediately was like, he's going to go to the WWE and what does he do? And, this, and, and, but I, you, nobody knows anything is my issue. No, nobody knows anything. Like, however, the one thing that I will say is that nobody knew anything about punk until dirt sheets and all this other stuff, you know, unfortunately 
What now, part of punk? I'm not sure what you mean. CM Punk, when he was coming back, that there there was no surprise about CM Punk coming back. Everyone knew. Right. Right? Like the, yeah, the, but it was... The dirt sheets had that shit out way before it was actually coming to light. The surprise was spoiled for me then, just like the surprise would be spoiled for me now. Mm. Uh, now, does... I personally am not that shocked by it. And... I do think that it's going to cause plenty of commotion in the ocean. You know, the thing was, is that WWE more or less ended up telling Brian Pillman the same thing. If I remember correctly, I don't know. Um, if you want us to bring you on here, you have to make a bigger name for yourself or maybe it was WCW. All I know is, is that Brian Pillman's situation was, is that he wanted to go to the WWE and WWE said, we can't take you until you make a bigger name for yourself. Right. I don't know that it was worded in in that way. I think Brian Pillman just wanted to be in the WWE. Right. And he took advantage of Eric Bischoff and essentially worked him into getting there. Right. Uh, Of course, uh, luck is a terrible, terrible bitch sometimes and he broke his leg and uh so there's no great not a whole lot of great brian pillman matches in wwe and there were some really great brian pillman moments i mean i I have one specific uh that i've told on the show back in season one him versus owen hart in in a in a legit wrestling match where no rules were broken yep where anytime the ref would start to count hands way up they backed into the ropes or the turnbuckle or whatever the ref would go Hey, stop the one. And they would just put their hands in the air. I mean, it was part of the, it was part of a thing because they were on the same team. So they didn't want to beat each other, but it was fucking hilarious. But, um, yeah, anyway, Brian, people, yeah, people would have to go back and watch that. Like my brain wants to say that there was something specifically between somebody went and told him to make a bigger name for himself in order for him to get the contract that he wanted. Well, sure. But here's, here's the thing. It's, That's how the business is. Right. You know, and I've heard you say on the show a lot of time, like, oh, so-and-so was fired. It's like, okay, I'll let it go. But no one's really fired. Right. You're an independent contractor. Contract is, it's it's over. It's come to an end. Now, they might have cut it early, and that stinks. Right. uh, Because you're left floating in the wind. But you can't really be fired, so to speak. Right. Well, I think that because you should be with the point, I guess what I well, was gonna, even though you're an independent contractor, you're still not an independent contractor because you're an independent con- WWE uses the word independent contractor to get away with not giving their employees what they should be getting. I'm aware of that. Yeah. But you are an independent contractor in AEW, are you not? Well, that that one is a little bit looser due to the fact that they do allow their talent to take indie dates. Right. But uh, I think I lost my train of thought of what the point I was getting at. Right. Well, what we're we're talking about Cody Rhodes. We're talking about just for me. Oh, what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, Brian Pillman, you know, to. Uh, yeah, you need to go get yourself over. I mean, that's just implied. It's part of the job. They right. want anyone who can draw at any promotion. They want yeah. people who can draw and, you know, they can get you cold and build you up. But wouldn't it be greater to get someone who's got some heat, some juice, right? And to get a to get course. Lee Moriarty. Hey, that's a good pull. 
to get Brian Danielson. That's yeah, a man. fucking great pull. Right. And guess what? When that contract is up, Brian Danielson will go back to being uh, Daniel Bryan, and that'll be a pull for them. Right. It's sort of part of the business to be a little bit fluid. That's the way it used to be. Now, the WWE in the past 20 years have really tried to build their IP, keep their IP, and not let it go. Yep. But with a new company out there, everyone can benefit again. Right. And that's where, like I said, I'm not. I'm not saying anything negative about Cody Rhodes right. right now. Like what I'm, what I'm saying is, is that, and I'm not saying that anyone specifically told Cody Rhodes. I'm not saying that someone WWE told him to make a bigger name for yourself and you can come back. What I'm saying is, is that his name value mm-hmm. is now way more than it was there. Mm-hmm. And he would not have been able to build that name value unless he left and left the way that he did. Now, with the, I mean, the word is, is that Vince McMahon has respect for people who have balls like that. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, he's not going to come back and be stardust. Right. You know, assuming that he goes back there. Um, But that's. Which that, is right now completely speculative. Speculative, And that's part of the problem. Right. Because I don't know what to think. I don't know the, the truth or the facts in the matter. What went wrong? Why things came to an end? I don't have no idea what he plans on doing in the future. He's got um, two shows on TNT last time I checked. Uh, so I have no fucking idea. Or not TNT, maybe TBS. Um, I have no idea what's going on. Uh, I'll say that it, it saddens me because I like Cody Rhodes. Right. And I don't like WWE if in that's the direction he goes. I think right. he could do real good in New Japan. Just the mere he, fact that he, he could be a heel and he has American in his nickname. But he had New Japan already, right? Sure, but like, what's wrong with returning there and, and being bigger than what he was? But being bigger than what he was there, how much more money is in it for him to be bigger than what he was at WWE than what he was bigger at New Japan? New Japan. Well, it's a moot point because, quite honestly, he might just be done with everything altogether. Like right. I said, every bit of this is speculative. And right. all the speculation I hear, I go... It's all fantasy booking, and you know my feelings on that. Right. This is just blown in the wind. The 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 only thing that I want to say about it is is that I don't necessarily want to chalk it up quite to fantasy booking yet because apparently, like I said, it if he if he doesn't show up, right, um, whatever he does, I hope that he's successful. In. I think that he was somebody that was a part of a revolution and he's somebody that I think that people can really understand the feeling of being really self-made. So now Cody Rhodes is successfully in being self-made. Right. And I will say that I think that if he does go back to WWE, at some point they're going to have to turn a corner, you know, like you got to think about the peaks and valleys of the, the eighties mm-hmm. into the early nineties into the mid nineties into the peak of what wrestling was. Yeah. And I think that regardless of how I feel about WWE, I don't, I don't want wrestling I don't want them to completely stop. I want them to start doing something smart. 
if they were to do something smart, I would be able to say, that's smart. I'm Jim Cornette, and the views I'm about to express are my own, but as you'll see, they may be yours too. There's a man named Phil Mushnick who writes columns for the New York Post and for TV Guide. You've probably never heard of Mr. Mushnick, but you should, because he's had some pretty nasty things to say about you. You see, Phil Mushnick hates pro wrestling, and he's not content just to change the channel. He doesn't want you to be able to watch it either. Not the WWF, WCW, ECW, nothing. And for the past several years, Mushnick has led a one-man campaign to have the wrestling industry abolished. Recently, when Ted Turner donated $1 billion to charity, Mr. Mushnick said the world would be better served if he closed up WCW. Phil Mushnick is the man who called for and spearheaded the media and publicity barrage over the federal indictment of Vince McMahon and the WWF on steroid charges. And even though McMahon and the WWF were proven totally innocent in a federal courtroom, Mushnick ignores that fact to this day and writes his columns as if it were a fact they were proven guilty just so he can continue his one-man crusade. He even wrote a column one time about the Madison Square Garden Network firing Marv Albert saying that the Garden should cancel wrestling matches too. But Phil Mushnick not only hates wrestling, he hates wrestling fans. Here's a few things he's had to say about you, and I quote, If not for America's lunatic fringe and the disaffected, WCW would be out of business. If you can tell me that you would bring an important child in your life to a pro wrestling match, I have no gripe with you because you clearly don't know right from wrong. And the overwhelming majority of the wrestling fans who contact me simply prove my point by flooding my mailbox with profanities, obscenities, and other acts that show them to be a disenfranchised subculture. Well, Mr. Mushnick, I'm a wrestling fan, and a lot of the people that read the New York Post and TV Guide are wrestling fans, too. And we don't enjoy being insulted by publications we pay money to read. We don't appreciate being told we don't know how to parent our children. We don't want a pompous, self-righteous man with a grudge sitting on top of Mount Olympus, looking down his nose at us and campaigning to take away the constitutional right that every American is guaranteed to freedom of speech, freedom of choice, and the freedom to enjoy whatever entertainment we choose. Those are facts, Mr. Mushnick, not rumors, not suppositions, but facts. You ought to try to deal in them sometime. And I think it's time that the millions of people that you belittle as subhuman every chance you get tell the New York Post and TV Guide what they think of you. But if this has been going on so long, why am I mad right now? Because recently, Phil Mushnick used Brian Pillman's death to call for another outcry against wrestling. And I quote once again, The problem is the mainstream media don't look hard enough at pro wrestling. Imagine if middle-aged pro baseball players dropped dead on a regular basis. This would be page one stuff and a federal inquiry would be launched. Well, Brian Pillman was a friend of mine. From the time he was born with throat cancer, he had the courage to undergo 36 different throat operations. He had the courage to withstand the punishment of pro football in 10 years as a pro wrestler. He had the courage to come back from a car wreck that shattered his ankle and from a lot of other personal tragedies. And then one night he went to sleep in a hotel room and he died. And for you, Phil Mushnick, to use his death as an excuse for another call to action in your one-man vendetta against pro wrestling is more vulgar and more obscene than anything that you've ever falsely accused the wrestling industry of being guilty of. So on behalf of the wrestling fans, the wrestling industry, the friends and family of Brian Pillman, and anyone in this country today that denies any one man the right to force his morals and his beliefs on all of us and take away our constitutional rights, on behalf of those people, I say go to hell, Phil Mushnick, and try to reform things down there. Because we're doing just fine up here without you. I'm Jim Cornette, and that's my opinion. The evidence is not in your favor. <laughs> right. Well, and, but, and, but, but also look at this too, though. And like something that I mentioned to you and James through text messages is like, go and look at the very first like all out event. Mm hmm. And then look at all in and then 
I think that if you compare it even to their last pay-per-view, AEW is not the same company. No. And it's much better in my eyes. And and in my opinion too. And what that tells me is is that, and I'm not saying that it's true, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's true. If there was a little bit of a falling out between people like Cody, the Bucks, and Omega, mm-hmm. it wouldn't surprise me if when CM Punk came in and said, oh, we're going to have to change a little bit of shit if I'm going to be here. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be surprising to me if Danielson even said, eh, maybe maybe I'm not going to be involved in this thing right here with you guys. Right. You know, so where you can see they have that kind of stroke where they can come in and say, Hey, look, you only have a, you know, one major show or, you know, two shows every week. I have to be guaranteed to wrestle once a week. I don't give a fuck what all these other kids are doing. I got to be able to wrestle at least once a week. I'm not taking two weeks off in between, you know, matches. Right. And I, I, by the way, that's the one thing I would request Right. <laughs> Some of these guys, I mean, Jake Hager, we're recording this on uh, Wednesday, folks, uh, actually right after AEW Dynamite. Jake Hager had his first match in what I am willing to guess is probably six months. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And, <laughs> and it was a tag match. So uh, not saying it's easier. I'm just saying uh, he can just wait for his hot tag, come yep. in and clean out and then tag out. Right. And that's in... You know, I think that there's still AEW is running things a lot differently, whereas before the issue that a lot of people have with WWE was the performers are overworked. Our wrestlers are being overworked. And now you have the other side of the fence of where's this guy? Where's this guy? Where's this guy? And then you even have their performers. Uh, Christopher Daniels went on Christopher Van Vliet and was like, yeah, I haven't been on TV in a little bit. It's out of my hands. And right. when they need me, I'll be there. Right. You know, I expressed this in a conversation uh, with a buddy earlier. I'll just say it. It was James again. There we go. <laughs> just, but, uh, from now on, anytime you refer to a buddy, it's just James. Well, it's, it's either him or you, because right. these are the two people I, I talk wrestling. We're with. the only wrestling people. Yeah. Hello, turnbuckle boogies. I'm calling you from the frozen tundra. That is McDougal Street, Manhattan. It was warm two days ago. I even saw a butterfly peek out. And that butterfly's fucking long dead now. It's cold. What am I gonna talk about this week, guys? You know. WWE signing Cody. How do we know that? Look at this. I know people think it's a work. What if it's a super work? What if this is like the Godfather? What if Cody is Luca Brazzi? And Tony Khan's like, oh, go talk to him. Say you're not happy with our family and see what kind of spot they give you in WrestleMania. What if he's a fucking mole? Wouldn't it be amazing? This is how crazy. Fans are getting paranoid with all this shit. It's all wild now. This is this is what we've been wanting. I love seeing the memes and the rumors of Shane going to goddamn AEW or Triple H. Gonna go, who the fuck would sign them? They'd come in and they—you'd be so goddamn paranoid. You wouldn't even tell them what they were doing until halfway through the match. Just throw in the ring and see what happens, fellas, and uh, we'll call it in there. You wouldn't want to get in their own goddamn locker room. 
spies and moles fucking wrestling espionage let's go i love it a little bit of godfather a little bit of succession a little bit of 007 yeah wrestling you're fucking back bam all right turnbuckle boogies i can't feel my fingers i'll talk to you later yeah you know because when i tell my daughter i go hey quinn look at that it's uh brian danielson the American Dragon. He's the best wrestler in the world. She goes, I don't care. I'm playing Fortnite. Yes. <laughs> I need some more yes. V-Bucks or whatever the stupid shit is. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. Um, uh, today's episode is uh, Jim Cornette. Yeah, you know what? Uh, when I originally envisioned this show, I thought, okay, here's my concept. We'll call it Turnbuckle Boogie. It's a great name. Um, we'll have... Each episode will be named after a wrestler uh, and, uh, you know, who's either retired or deceased. Or as I like to say, both. Yes. And I remember Jim Cornette's name came up uh, probably from you in season one. And I said, no, it has to be a wrestler. But I think I'm lightening up uh, the rules on that, you know, because we had Danny Davis because we wanted someone so we could talk about referees. We had Bobby Heenan because, you know, he was a worker before he was a manager. Yes, sir. But, you know, Jim Cornette has had a bunch of matches. Yes, he has. Uh, Now, normally he's the whipping post. Yes. Uh, (laughs) So I'm allowing this one. In fact, I'm almost encouraging it. Uh, I almost regret starting off this uh, today's show with all the conversation about Cody Rhodes um, and not just digging into Cornette, who I like a lot. Yeah, man. I also take his modern day critiques with a, a little bit more than a grain of salt mm-hmm. because he's old school to a fault. There's a lot of uh, wealth in his knowledge, um, but there is the ignorance that comes with a certain age bracket there there, Uh, there's a little bit of old man yelling at clouds with jim Cornette. it's a rite of passage man this is (laughs) just wait it's coming for you too that's what i'm saying man because look i'm 43 i was the young punk kid forever now i'm a middle-aged punk kid you know now i got a dope shirt on Oh, thank you, Mother Brain. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the problem. I said I'm a kid. I'm a 43-year-old yeah. kid. I play solo tabletop role-playing games and video games and board games. And, and you're wearing and, a fucking Metroid shirt right And wearing now, yeah. a Metroid shirt. And uh, before you showed up, I was playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Hell yeah. Uh, by the way, quick little commentary. Folks, I got to mention this. It's not wrestling related, so plug yours if you don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'm playing a a man in this game because I kind of don't understand these other dudes who like, you know, the kind of dude who, when you're playing street fighter, he always picks Chun-Li and it's not because of the moveset. I think it's because he's like, I'm not even sure it's sexual. You know what I mean? Can can you please cue in MDMA? Now you're a man from the (laughs) orgasmo soundtrack in this. I'll think about it, please. That's a request. Is it the power in his hands? 
you got to, to fight to the top So we can know your story So I'm playing a male character, a male Viking. Now, just today, I finished doing a raid, and one of the characters, the NPCs that I did this raid with, uh, comes up and he's like, hey, you know, maybe you and I'd like to go snuggle in the hay or whatever. I forget whatever it was. I'm paraphrasing. But it was very clear, if I hit the wrong button, this guy's going to suck me off. (laughs) Virtually? Yes. And that's I, an option in that game. Yes. Oh, it's a thing in all video games, all mature rated role playing games. Yeah. Now, you know, I just I finished Cyberpunk not that long ago. I was trying to fuck everyone. It can't Why? be rated M unless there's fucking involved. <laughs> that's right. But in this game, uh, like a lot of these role playing games, it throws everything at you just to see what you're into. So they throw the the gay dude at me first. Which look, I'm not a homophobe except for. I, apparently when gay dudes are like, hey, let's go roll around in the hay. And I'm like, ah, where's the no button? <laughs> I got to press the no button faster. <laughs> but here's the follow up. Uh, 20 minutes later, this married chick who's married to uh, your in-game brother, she throws a kiss on you and she's like, hey, let's uh, let's roll around a bit in the hay. And I go, ah, why do I? The heterosexual option is the married gal. Yeah, I'm not a monster. That doesn't seem like a good idea. I don't want to be a homewrecker. Yeah, so you have an option. You yep. either take one in the keister or break up of a happy marriage. Well, I mean, there you go. What were we talking about? I don't know. <laughs> that completely took me off the fucking rails. Oh, yeah, Jim Cornette. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> yep. So... Yep. You got to love my segues. They're to the point and entertaining. I thought that I was driving the car, like, busting out skid marks on the road, man. Like, this is... Buddy, this Cody Rhodes business has really fucked up my week. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get over the Cody Rhodes shit. Well, because it's in all the all the news is like, what's he gonna do? Is he going here? Why did they break up? You know, it's like what? It's like everyone's parents broke up. Yeah. And the parents... Did not sit everyone down, sit all the kids down and go, it's not your fault. Right. They just went, mommy and daddy love each other very much, but we're <laughs> going our separate ways. Yep. I'm a kid and I'm going, why, dad? dad don't why? leave, dad. Oh, my goodness. I Well, I, I am sorry that you're... I don't want to say fandom like I Cody did some really important shit, man. It is fandom. But I like it, it. I like we will get back to uh, Cornette. It's a really I, bad neck tattoo. And well, you know, <laughs> I had a conversation with a friend wink earlier <laughs> and he alluded to that uh, the beginning of the end was the neck tattoo. Everything went downhill from there. He had a handful of good matches, but really the tide turned yeah. for Cody Rhodes once he t- he impulsively tattooed his neck. Pretty hard to argue with. Yeah, it was a bad choice. But having said that, you know, I've very rarely seen him have a bad match. All the things that he did were pretty important. 
I know. And when everyone started booing him, I've said it on this show. I don't get it. This guy's pretty fucking rad. Yeah. Uh, between the the cream color suits and the and the bleached hair, the move set, the swagger, the memes, um, the it just his fucking dog in that goddamn cane. I wish they would have never brought that dog out for an entrance with fucking Pyro. That was to me one of the. Oh, you're in PETA. I'm not in fucking PETA, man. But everyone that I'm owns just a, everyone I know, but everyone that owns a dog knows that they're scared shitless of fucking fireworks. Well, they didn't think. Yeah, man. I. Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes. And Co- I'll say this. Everyone fucking hates his wife. Yeah. Uh, buddy, she's in my top 10. That broad can do no wrong. I don't care what she says. I don't care what bad angle she comes up with. She can do whatever she wants. Yeah. She's well, a smoke show. Well, it's, it's great that some people are able to get away with being good looking. Well, <clears throat> once again, I was having that conversation with that same friend. <laughs> wink. <laughs> uh, and, you know, he's a single gal. Or yep. guy, uh, James Mattern. And I had to tell him, buddy, you don't understand what it's like to be married. Because whatever that lady says, that's the shit that goes. Yeah. And if she says, hey, I think I want to be a wrestler. Yeah, babe, you got it. Whatever. I'll support you 100% of the way, even if you're super unskilled and have not built a reputation for yourself. I'm Jim Cordette, and the views I'm about to express are yours. Well, some of them at least. Because in my last commentary, I told everyone about Phil Mushnick, the New York Post and TV Guide columnist who hates pro wrestling and doesn't think much more of the wrestling fans. Well, since that time, Mr. Mushnick's message board at the TV Guide website has been flooded with posts from outraged fans, and I'd like to read you excerpts from just a few of them. I've been a wrestling fan close to 21 years. I think your generalization of a sports fans is deplorable. As far as me being a knucklehead, everyone is entitled to their opinion, which is why I will no longer buy TV Guide or the New York Post. From a 12-year-old boy, I have found your remarks toward us wrestling fans immature, disrespectful, incompetent, and useless. From an attorney, please spare us from your personal jealousy of people who make more money than you do and write something meaningful. From a Christian whose parents took him to matches as a child, would you rather I spent those Saturday evenings drinking myself into a drunken stupor? How about vandalizing property? From another fan, gun control, poverty, and government reform should be priority in the post, not wrestling. And another, I can't see it as anything but him stretching every story he possibly can to take a shot at wrestling and satisfy his vendetta. And another, here's a man who in 1998, Phil Mushnick he's talking about, will begin to rant about the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. It's pornography, God save my children. He'll broadcast his views in the New York Post where there'll be ads for strip clubs, penile enlargement, and doctors who cure sexual dysfunction. And lastly, hey, Phil, you seem to be a man that lacks a life. Ever thought about kissing a girl or something? Well, I'd like to report that Phil Mushnick has gotten the message. I'd like to, but it's not true. Because listen to what Mr. Mushnick said on the Internet on October 13th. I've badly overrated the intellect and social graces of most pro wrestling fans. They believe what they want to believe, think what they want to think, and have no regard for the truth. Not all, but most pro wrestling fans provide exactly what the wrestling industry covets, knuckleheads. Well, it's my view that the only opinion that doesn't make a difference is the one that goes unexpressed. People with similar opinions founded the United States of America and put a man on the moon. So if you're sick and tired of people giving you the sideways glance, looking down their nose at you, treating you like the guy that runs the Ferris wheel at the county fair just because you like wrestling or anything else in life, then stand up and say, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Voice your opinion. Make a difference. Phil Mushnick is not the only target, but he's a fine place to start. So as they say in TV land, folks, keep those cards and letters coming. 
I'm Jim Cornette, and that's my opinion. Casey gets approached, my fiance Casey, for those that don't know, she it never fails. Somebody asks her, asks her if she's involved with wrestling anytime she's near me. And it's hilarious because if she wanted to be, she'd actually be really good at it. She's a power lifter. However, she has absolutely no interest right. and I, she supports, right. I'm thankful, but it's just funny to me. The amount of comments that she, she gets hit up for booking sometimes more than I do. Is it in the crime? Yeah, it's kind of rough. <laughs> <laughs> that a wrestler in his prime who's doing great work is uh, not getting as many booking offers hey, as his old lady who's not in the business. That, 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 that We can joke about that. There was a moment in time where that was true. I'm getting a lot of opportunities now. I'm very thankful. I'm joking. You don't have yeah, to clarify. I know, but I am. I, I, not, I The one thing that I never want to eat is petty spaghetti or sour grapes, sir. I've never heard the term petty spaghetti. I don't want it. <laughs> what if it has a nice Alfredo sauce? But it's still petty. Hey, man, anything for a dollar. Am I right? That's the theme of today's show. I'd buy that for a dollar. Hey, what about Jim Cornette? How about him? All right, I'm going to make a blanket statement here. I Throw think I already kind of made one. But, yeah. Uh, not only do I like Jim Cornette, I fucking love Jim Cornette. I think he's... Uh, he should be remembered as one if one of, if not the greatest uh, professional wrestling manager who's ever existed. He's also invaluable as a historian to the industry. I agree with that. Yeah. I, I, my thing with Jim Cornette, I, I agree with a lot of the things that he says. And there are some things that he has said that make it very hard for me to be a very avid public supporter of him. Right. Um, it, I'm not even going to mention those things. Uh, I mean, they're, they're fairly obvious. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's probably akin to, you know, as much as he hates Donald Trump yes. and I'm sure everyone in this room do, is not a fan either. Um, he has a lot of those same characteristics. Yeah. Uh, of just being an old ignorant, a little bit of a piece of shit. Yeah. And, a, and a hothead. And that's the thing, too, is that, you know, the hothead thing. Um, I was a hothead before. I, I've i destroyed public property before. <laughs> I, I've destroyed personal property before. Yeah. And, you know, I'm thankful that I was able to get out of that shit because it wasn't worth the uh, trouble. Uh, well, the problem with him is that it was it was positively reinforced. Right. When especially made, in that day and age. When he he had a reputation for taking the piss in shoot videos out of Vince Russo, who everyone collectively hated. Yes. Um, you know, and hated Vince Russo rightfully so for all the, the reasons that Jim Cornette would speak, that he was a detriment to the industry, that he probably helped in some way deteriorate um, the quality of what professional wrestling was. Yep. Uh, it, there's evidence of that on the last year of WCW. That's all that you really need on a pole match. Yeah. On a pole match. On a pole. On a it forklift. has to be on a pole. It has to be on a pole. Judy Bagwell's mom on a forklift. On a forklift on a pole match. Yeah. So to have this guy who is a wordsmith, um, completely. Take the piss. Cunning linguist. 
take this guy apart verbally for dozens of hours. I mean, folks, literally, if you don't know who Jim Cornette is, I dare you go to YouTube, pump in Jim Cornette berries, and then just see what comes up. You'll find that there's hundreds, and I mean hundreds of hours of him fucking cracking on everyone for hours on end. And every fucking square inch of it is entertaining. Yep. Because he has a gift. And the, the the he does have a gift. I will say that the the one thing that I just am really tired of, not just from Jim Cornette, but from the old timers in general. Sure, wrestling has been ridiculous before the Young Bucks. That is true. Yeah, so let's not. I'm not. I'm not with the. Oh, these fuck. You know the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll Express we're very spot heavy tag teams. I personally feel like uh, tag team wrestling in general has become very spot heavy because it's a lot harder to communicate up close with one person, mm-hmm. let alone three others, right. including yourself. And if you want to count the referee four, so I'll be insulted on Jim Cornette's behalf on your last statement of comparing those teams. Yes, they are spot heavy. Yes. I do think uh, I, but in and I think the difference between you know uh, the Young Bucks and say the Midnight Express is the same difference probably between the Young Bucks and FTR. Right. I think when you watch FTR, it looks like uh, a match is going on. Whereas, yeah. whereas with the Young Bucks, with all due respect, because I'm not much of a hater, right. I just I'm I'm apathetic if I don't care for your act. Mm-hmm. Um. The Young Bucks, look, it looks like a routine. There's just too right. much choreography. And, and there's a lot of it. And it's also high-level choreography. Right. Um, whereas the Rock and Roll Express was also doing really, really acrobatic stuff, but it was acrobatic to the skill level that was the standard at the time. Right. The headlock takeover head scissors. Right. Right. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah, the, yeah. the double, double dropkick, the double, the double leapfrog spots, you know, the, I'm going to back up and then I'm going to duck right as my tag team partners flying off the top rope, with the cross body block. Right. The comparisons have never been very uh, apparent to me within the last couple hours. I've been deep diving tape. <clears throat> like I've been like really, really deep diving tape and, uh, admittingly, um, Forgive me for who is listening to this really high when I'm watching it and I'm (laughs) taking a lot of notes and the third eye that's been open for me is that Jim Cornette will always defend what was going on at his time because he feels like it's the right way to do things. Right. Things are similar in a fashion. Right. It's just, there's a different level of athleticism behind what they're doing that has made it seem more unrealistic. Yeah. Uh, wait, there was, there was choreography or, or, um, you know, moves agreed on beforehand back in the seventies and eighties. Uh, but there's a difference, I think, between that and say a Jackie Chan fight scene. Yes, and and 
I'm playing devil's advocate here because I like Jim Cornette and I know it's, 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 it's bad juju to side with the devil, but <clears throat> that's what it feels like watching some of those matches, you know, because the, 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 you know, when this show first started, I was very adamant about one of the things that probably caused the modern era to really sort of um, get more unrealistic is the, introduction of lucha libre the influence the influence of lucha libre on american pro wrestling yes um you know some of these lighter guys that's all they got right so when you have a a tag team like the young bucks who combine probably weigh 270 pounds well i'm not being very nice but you get it yeah um you know what do you think they're gonna do it precisely and I, I do still feel like there's room for that on a card. I agree. And whereas when you have a wrestling card, you have something that you can laugh at. You have something that you can be mad about. You have something that can amaze you. And then you have something that would make you concerned for another person's well-being. You know, you have you have the tightrope. Right. You have the dancing monkey, you know, are these all young bucks spots? No, they're not. <laughs> it sounds but, like it, but that's to me, that's just one of those things that the evolution of wrestling. And I agree with you a thousand percent. There was, there, there wasn't just a heavy influence on uh, Lucha Libre on the industry. It was also hybrid wrestling kind of became a thing when people like, Reckless Youth and Mike Quackenbush and Chris Hero. That was kind of something that happened through the East Coast and then it kind of spread its way out everywhere else. Well, kind of even before that, I mean, really, this generation of professional wrestling is based on the ethics of, we'll say, the radicals, mm-hmm. the Chris Jericho, Dean Malenko, Chris Benoit, Perry Saturn, Perry Saturn, these guys who. Um, I don't know if Perry Saturn did a whole lot of traveling. I'm sure he did, but a not lot as of these, much as the other boys. Exactly. But these guys cut their teeth in Japan, in Mexico, and then in the, you know, dirty bingo halls of, of America. Yep. Um, they, their styles were all over the place. Yep. You know, that's what you're seeing the sort of cartoon character version of today. Yep. Um, you could uh, take it or leave it, I guess. Jim Cornette, I, I suppose he would care to leave it. Actually, I don't know if that's necessarily true. Because, you know, he'll watch a Brian Danielson match and he'll say, that was fucking fantastic. Yeah. And uh, there is no better practitioner, in no. my personal opinion, than no. the American Dragon Ring. Yeah, Brian Danielson is the greatest professional wrestler of the new millennium of the new millennium there there and, and there's and, an and argument it, to be made for ever and, yeah and and anyone that wants to disagree once again it kind of turns into the beatles argument you're just wrong and it's okay <laughs> just to be wrong right yeah right, right but and i do think that it does come with everyone has their preferences right. you know and you have a preference much like Cornette has for danielson my preference is for danielson yeah. Right. I However, think everyone's preferences for Danielson. I can't. That's not the truth. Well, because there are people that really do enjoy 
the 80s body slams and jams like that the new age of high spot wrestling oh well yes i'm aware of that and there there's people that they come to your school because you are a trainer i didn't mention that this episode yes and they they come to your school and go i saw a spot and i want to do this and you go what are you an idiot right and (laughs) and there and there there was there was a day uh that i was at the school and there had been an influx, and I'm not going to say any names, sure. one specifically because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Right. Two, it was so long ago, I don't remember who was all involved and how many people are still in the industry. But there was a period of time that we got a lot of new students, and I just got kind of bothered was this around the time when like bullet club t-shirts were blowing up very much so yeah that's all you need to know very very much so and there was a there was just a moment where i was like well can we learn this well no not right now because we're and i just kind of looked around the room like guys hold on pause raise your hands if you know what a snapmare is oh jesus (laughs) Okay. And then there, there, there was not that many people that raised their hand. And then I, I mean, every pro wrestling video game has snapmare as an option. I'm sure it's not the one that you pick first. Then I said, how many of you know what a super kick is? And almost everyone in the room raised their hand. And I'm like, that's why there's a fucking problem. (laughs) Like that. That's why there's a fucking problem right now. I'm Jim Cornette. I just wonder if any of you are sick and tired as I am of people who claim to be the icon of wrestling. Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper claim to be the icon. Shawn Michaels is the icon that can still go. Bret Hart would claim to be the icon if he wasn't too busy crying about being screwed by the WWF. And I guess Randy Savage is still thinking, thinking. Well, Shawn Michaels is still the single most talented athlete in wrestling today inside the ring. But outside, he's an adolescent obnoxious jerk who takes his tights and goes home if he doesn't get his way. Bret Hart is one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, but if he'd have been screwed as many times as he claims, he'd have struck oil by now. And Randy Savage is a legend, but let's face it, how many records did Frank Sinatra sell last year? But the pinnacle of this icon garbage came at last night's cage match between Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper to determine in their minds only who the real icon is. WCW had the gall to say this the greatest cage match in history when it was only the greatest in three weeks since Hell in the Cell. But here you've got a 46-year-old bald movie star wannabe who looks like Uncle Creepy with a good bill taking on a guy with an artificial hip that hadn't wrestled a full schedule in 10 years. It's a tribute to the massive egotism in my mind of both men and an indictment of WCW's promotional policies that this match even took place, much less be in the main event when the card was probably the best that WCW is capable of having. By the 10-minute mark, they were sucking wind so bad, the first three rows passed out of oxygen deprivation. It would have been funny if it wasn't so sad. Well, I'm sick and damn tired of hearing guys claim to be the icon, especially when it usually comes from guys who just didn't know when to quit. Roddy Piper was my idol when I was a teenager, but that was 20 years ago. Hulk Hogan during his best years was 50% media creation, and those are long gone. This match was a slap in the face to every wrestler that takes pride in his profession. And in my mind, no one man is bigger than this sport. But if there is an icon, it would be a man who has great ability inside the ring and professionalism and maturity outside of it. Let's leave all the petty backstabbing I make more money than you BS with the hat check girl and concentrate on talent and attitude. The Undertaker, Ric Flair, and Steve Austin have never claimed to be icons, which means they're big candidates to be just that. And on a personal note to Hulk Hogan, you are a household word, but so is garbage, and it stinks when it gets old, too. I'm Jim Cornette, and that's my opinion. Thankfully, the there's a turning of the tide, mm-hmm. because the 
the the indie lucha stuff mm-hmm. guys like you i know you love this guy osprey right oh man he is un but he's well i know i just put over brian danielson as the best in the world uh if there's a there's something to be said about uh will osprey the, right. the problem is is that he's secluded to japan and europe but i'm telling you the minute this guy decides to come to america mm-hmm. uh watch out because um he might secretly be the best. Right. And like top tier next level athlete. Yeah. I would even put Ricochet, who I'm not the biggest fan of athletically, athletically, not verbally. Yeah. He's one of the most impressive wrestlers in the world. It's, it's impressive to, you almost wonder, like you can't comprehend how this guy, much like Ray Mysterio jr how they have the the control of their body in midair like they do. Yeah. It's unfathomable. Right. And it's it's impressive. Right. And you can't you can't take away that these guys bandito, yeah. right? Is another guy that um I never realized how strong dude actually was, but when I did the Chris Hero seminar, which was a blast by the way, he had mentioned like People don't actually understand like how strong this dude is, but he's also very graceful. Right. You know, you have, there's seems to be an appreciation coming back for people like a Brian Danielson, Mm. people like Lee Moriarty, right? Yeah. He had a match tonight too. And I think he's great. You know, uh, maybe we're getting a second wave of that because Brian Danielson is having his moment and CM Punk is having his moment. Bloodsport exists. Bloodsport exists. Right. And, and Samoa Joe is on the tip of everyone's tongue. Cause no one knows what he's going to do next. Yep. Maybe we're having that revival of that first wave of, uh, ring of honor, which would be yep. great. You know, that's uh, now they, they were stiffer than they needed to be. I'll say, because yep. I, we, as we've mentioned pre on previous episodes, strong style is good. But uh, just don't kill each other. That was a really big point that got drove home at that Chris Hero seminar that uh, myself and Lazarus took at West Coast Pro. And this happened just this week. Yes. Folks, for context. Um, and for anyone that is in the industry that is listening, um, if you have the opportunity to get into a building with somebody like that, Chris Hero or otherwise. And if you don't take that opportunity, you know, Lazarus and I got in a car from Vegas to San Francisco. It was an eight hour drive to and from, you know, we had to stay, stay the night. And did you guys share a hotel bed? We not a bed, but we did share a hotel room and it was very noisy. Um, What? It was very, it was a very noisy hotel room. So, because of all the bumping and grinding? No, not at all. Uh, because we were right near the pool, and oh, you could hear like the pipes for the pool draining and running through. Oh, draining pipes in your hotel room. Absolutely, eh? whatever you can do. Uh, this is the most homophobic episode ever. I'm I'm not homophobic. I have no problem with it. And Lazarus is a very handsome man, man. I always used to like uh, Norm Macdonald. He would say, "Homophobia runs pretty deep." <laughs> 
<laughs> Turns out homophobia runs deeper than anyone ever suspected. Like, uh, you know, as open-minded as you are, like, you know, very few people would, uh, if they had a gay friend, would uh, help that guy, uh, you know, have an or- achieve an orgasm. Sorry? Uh, like, uh, yeah, as, as wait, can I, be their, di- can I be dirty? Yeah, yeah. As no, opposed a guy to would never give another guy a hand job, even if he was his buddy. Like, if you're a straight guy and your best friend's gay, why not give him a hand job? It'd just be a nice thing to do for the guy. <laughs> but that's how deep homophobia runs. Right. <laughs> uh, I guess there's some, you know, I was, I, I said that you have this logic. <laughs> I don't see it there. <laughs> you but, don't see it? Would you wait, would you give your gay friend a hand job? Well, would I give my straight female friend a uh finger bang? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you probably would. I probably would. You're right. <laughs> You're right there. Homophobia runs pretty deep. Just help help a friend. Yeah. Just help a friend. Jack off your buddy. You know, it's his birthday coming up. Helping friends, helping friends. <laughs> so, but you know, like get yourself in a fucking car, man, like make a drive, you know, pay the money, check your ego, learn something, right? Well, there's learn something, something. I can't recommend that enough, especially because there are so many schools around this country with uncredited uh, trainers or just the blind leading the blind in some cases. Absolutely. If there's a seminar with uh, someone of note, you know. Chris Harrow, not exactly a big name, but in the in the you know deep wrestling world, he's a very respected person. For anyone that is at my level, yeah, if you are not going to listen to somebody that has gone from our level and has made a successful living without a major company behind them, right? You, you should fucking open your ears and fucking listen to them. Can we go back for a second, please, 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 please? You said that the biggest takeaway was he was talking about strong style. We we were talking about the how sensational strong style was, but Kawada and Masawa, yes. right? The Gonzo bomb. You know, <clears throat> if you're familiar with the Gonzo bomb. No, I'm not offhand. So one of the finishes of Masawa and Kawada, it may have been the finish, was Kawada attempted to powerbomb Masawa. Masawa attempted a hurricane rana. And wasn't able to clear the motion. Kawada tried to readjust him for a power bomb, but couldn't lift him up. So he decided to just drop to his knees and he dropped the Masawa spiked him right on his fucking head. Right. And it was a sensational moment. It was the epitome of what Kings road as a style was. Right. But it was extremely fucking dangerous and reckless. And, and people shouldn't just be randomly doing that to other people. And he's dead. Yeah, and that was another point. That and we he, talked he's about. not just dead from heart disease or drug abuse. He died in the ring when his fucking spinal column snapped in two. Yeah. Um, you know, I do see it. I, I I manage the Turnbuckle Boogie Instagram and Twitter page, and I peruse them from time to time, and I only follow a handful of people. And as much as I like Masawa. And Kawada and and uh, Kabashi, yeah, all the four pillars, man. These motherfuckers, they might as well have been doing mixed martial arts because yeah. this shit, as much as it's a spectacle, and it's like Jesus Christ, 
part of me is like, you should not be doing that. Right. You should not be doing that. Some of it was really dangerous. Uh, I hate to keep rehashing things I've said on the show before. I've done it a bunch today already, but you just cannot name one sport combat or otherwise where you can spike a motherfucker on his head. If you did that shit in UFC, they would stop the fight and send you to your corner and check to see if the guy was alive and they'd probably dock you a point for attempted murder. Yep. Um, It's, it's so regulated. So why in this fake sport would it be allowed? It shouldn't be. It's ridiculous. And and it shouldn't be, but you know, it's, it is something that just people have to understand you know, everyone looked at that move as if it was something that was supposed to happen. And heroes in the camp of, I don't think that was supposed to happen. I think it was accidental. It looked crazy as shit. They put it in video games and then everyone thought that they can make that their new finish. Right. And, you know, that's uh, that's just one of those things. Like, long story short, go take a fucking Chris Hero seminar if you have the opportunity to do so. Um, and thank you to West Coast Pro. Thank you, Vinny. Thank you, uh, Scotty. You know, thank you, Levi. Like they, they, tra- they treated us very well. Well, the WWF has asked me to do a commentary on the state of wrestling in 1998. I guess they figure Cornette's always good for a couple of laughs. Well, I'm not really going to be too funny tonight. Because, you see, I think the state of wrestling in 1998 stinks. I think WCW stinks. I think the NWO stinks. I think ECW is embarrassing. And I think the WWF stinks. And I'll tell you why, you don't have to go back any further than last week on Raw. You got a guy coming out dressed like a Christmas tree. You got a woman coming out dressed like a reindeer. You got two adolescent mullet heads showing their butt cheeks on national TV and having a phony match for a championship. I think it stinks. I think it's disgusting. I think nobody has any respect for wrestling anymore. Where is wrestling? Not sports entertainment, but wrestling. You know, just a couple of years ago, I left my home in Tennessee and I moved to Connecticut, which is like trading a Hawaiian vacation for a bed in a cancer ward, to come to work for the WWF full-time, the biggest wrestling promotion in the history of the planet. And I moved to Connecticut with snow on the ground seven months out of the year, real estate prices that would make Donald Trump's hair stand on end, the rudest bunch of people I've ever seen where English is a second language and traffic jams at four o'clock in the morning, but I think that's okay because I'm with the biggest wrestling promotion of all time, the WWF. But over the last couple of years, I don't see any wrestling. They got some great wrestlers around here, but they don't have any time to wrestle because of all the fall to roll and the nonsense going on. You see what the problem is, is the people running the two big promotions. One guy is a game show host wannabe from Minneapolis with phony teeth, phony hair, and a phony tan. And running the WWF, you got a whole office building full of Yankees from New York City that wouldn't know a wrestling match if it bit them. So they sit around all day listening to people on the internet, and the people on the internet wouldn't know a wrist lock from a wrist watch. I don't particularly care what some Yankee from New York City wants to see. I want to see wrestling matches with wrestlers. I want to see real old-fashioned wrestling. I want to see some people who have some respect for the traditions of the wrestling industry, have some respect for the sport of wrestling. I don't want to see sports entertainment and flying donkeys all around. I think it's garbage, I think it's insulting, and I think it's a shame to a fine sport like this. Down south where I come from, they know wrestling. They were brought up on it. They grew up on it, and they respect it. And I think it's about time that the promoters in the wrestling industry today recognize that wrestling fans watching a wrestling program want to see wrestlers wrestle. 
That's, that's easy. It's not too hard to understand if you just think about it. But the problem is, is that nobody has any respect for tradition. Well, I got news for you. I got respect for tradition, and I've always been associated with real good old-fashioned wrestling, a sport of wrestling, not a circus sideshow, not a cartoon show. And if nobody else is going to bring some wrestling around here, then maybe it's going to be up to Jim Cornette. So that might be my New Year's resolution for 1998. I might bring some tradition. I might bring some real wrestling back and clear this whole mess out because I think it stinks. So there's my address. There's my opinion. There's my commentary. Do with it what you want. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, bah humbug, I'm out of here. Jim Cornette. Yeah, man. What do you think his legacy is going to be in the end? His legacy in the end is going to be, unfortunately, as much as I don't want to say this, his legacy is going to be his podcast. Like, I think that his podcast is going to... Because it carried more weight than his actual work. I, I I believe that not because of anything other than the inability of people in today's generation to listen to anyone that has advice if they dr- disagree with them about something. Yeah, it's a real problem. Um, yeah. I watch a lot of Bill Maher uh, real time. And it's a big theme of that show of it'd be great if we could disagree and not fucking hate each other. Yeah. There's uh, a lot of, there's a lot of takes that Bill Maher has that I think they're absolute shit. But at the same time, he's an intelligent person that if you shield yourself from anything he has to say, because he disagrees with you on some specific thing, I, you know, you're going to, you're not going to really move forward in life. Mm-hmm. Like, covering your ears from people that you don't like, you know, you're just going to stay put. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't necessarily agree with you on the, the case that he'll be remembered for the podcast. I hope I'm wrong. I think the quality of his work, um, is important. Yes. And and people remember that. And when he dies, I'm knocking on wood. Yes, sir. Um, you know, I'm sure that he will be memorialized by that stuff. And then the footnote will be in the end. He was a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah. And, and the only reason why I'm saying his body of work is, is that, you know, managers aren't really around anymore. I think the WWE is trying to make They're, a revival. They've, they've had a lot of false starts. Well, no shit. Right. A lot of false starts. Sometimes. You have an associated act. Leo Rush. I enjoyed Leo Rush's work as a manager. Right. I thought he was great. Um, the new guy that they have for Diamond Mind. Uh, Diamond Mind. Diamond Mine is incredible. Uh, whose name I, escapes me at the moment. But back in the day, you had Bobby the Brain Hand, Jimmy Hart. Mr. Fuji. Mr. Fuji. I bring that name up because I was watching WrestleMania three earlier. Um, who's the the Poindexter white dude with the the glasses? Harvey, Harvey Whippleman, Whippleman, brother love. Yeah, like you, you could I can sit here and rattle off a slew. The problem is, is that some of these new cats, they're like Robert Stone. Robert Stone is a comically ridiculous 
character, he may not be as racist as Mr. Fuji, but he's as ridiculous mm-hmm. in his body movements. Yes. Jim Cornette was serious as shit, along with a lot of other people who were uh, during the 70s were dead fucking serious when they would cut promos. Yeah. And then it would be time. J.J. Uh, Dillon. Yeah. <clears throat> it would be time. Then would come a time where they would get pulled into the ring, where they get slingshotted in from the ropes. They'd hit, they'd drop their weapon of choice, whether it was a tennis racket or an oversized cell phone or a cane. I love the oversized cell phone. <laughs> that was the best. You know, they would drop that, the baby face would pick it up, and the 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 heel manager would start begging off. Oh, please. Oh God. And then when they'd get cracked, they'd sell like they were shot out of a cannon. Yep. Arms and legs akimbo <clears throat> flying about all over the place. That was about the only time they were really silly. The, uh, the WWE's formula for managers was everyone's fucking silly. Everyone's yep. a cartoon character. Everyone's constantly in motion and, and hyper colored and ridiculous. So I I think that there's a distinction, but the, these sort of modern day ones, with the exception of probably the only successful one, which is Paul Heyman, everyone is equally silly, I find. Yeah. In the modern day, they're just the modern day version of that ridiculous stuff. That's why I think that shit really doesn't work, because when they cut promos, they don't really cut promos. They take part in comedy segments. Yep. You know, it's like, hey, we're back here with such and such. And it's like it's like a fucking Three Stooges routine. The only the only person, like you said, that has their feet planted firmly in the ground of this is serious business is Heyman. Right. And And imagine if Heyman, it was the exact same character, but he got he got whipped into the ring. Yep. And. His cell phone, his giant cell phone came flying out of his pocket. <laughs> Bring he, back the giant cell phone, Paul. And he started begging off. People yep. would come unglued. Get him! Get him out! Yeah. You know, you have to be as a manager, I think, or at least the most successful versions of a manager, serious to a point. And that point comes when it's time to get your comeuppance. Not to spoil the magic. Baby faces sell, sell realistically. Heels sell like fucking Wiley Coyote. Yes. That's their Thank you, Kurt Henning. Yeah, that's that's their fucking role. Jim Cornette was a master at it, so was Bobby Heenan. When they got hit, you know, nothing was better when Heenan got that stupid weasel costume put on him a couple of times. Yes. And he would stand up, he would come out of a haze, change his he own would, tail. He would whip around and start chasing the tail. A change, chase. but if you look at every promo he ever had with Nick Bockwinkle, with Rick Rude, or any number of people, he was fucking dead serious. Yep, I mean dead serious. Even when he was sneaking in little jokes where he was burying whatever town, he was not joking around. Nope. Um, and I think Jim Cornette is a prime example of that. His body of work, I think, is really important. Now his podcast. As great as it is, and this is my real problem with him, it's not really with him. It's with this legion of religious zealots who worship at his altar and repeat his dialect. Right. 
who spend their time online taking the piss out of everyone Jim Cornette takes the piss out of because they don't have an original thought. Right. And they're just a bunch of fucking idiots. Yes, we know. Twinkle Toes McFinger Bang, you hate them too for all the reasons that Jim Cornette says. I I forgive Jim Cornette for expressing himself in the way that he expresses himself for the for the sake of comedy, whether he feels that way or not. I believe that he does. Yeah. What I don't forgive is all these fucking people just repeating this shit because they don't have a fucking creative bone in their body. And right. they're just being trolls and dicks and fuck them. Yeah, I agree with that, too. And unfortunately, the the biggest problem with that is, is that, you know, <laughs> drawing a... <laughs> comparison to Donald Trump again, you know, uh, when you have a platform that people are actually listening to you speak on the things that you say and the opinions that you share, um, sometimes whether or not those thoughts are in those people's minds get implanted, you know, and it ends up becoming, you know, like you said, it's, everyone just kindly blindly just going along. I, I have my own opinions, right. you know, about shit. And, but there's a lot of stupid people out there. uh, Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, this is a a thing that's going on a lot more recently. Donald Trump and January six was an evidence of it. Um, uh, Jim Cornette and his fans, they're more evidence of it. Uh, and I don't think it's nearly the same magnitude, but yes, I agree. Yes. And, you know, stuff with Joe Rogan and Neil Young and all this sort of stuff. What I'm getting at is I love the idea that you can go out there and and talk shit and cut it up and be free. Uh, However, apparently that can get you so far. You know, I have a podcast. I speak freely on this podcast. But at a certain point, if we were to get so successful, apparently, if you get successful to a point, it comes with a certain responsibility. Yes. That's unfortunate because you get judged by your lowest common denominator. Jim Cornette gets judged by his fans. Donald Trump gets judged by his stupid fucking supporters. Joe Rogan gets judged by people who uh, have a built-in rhetoric of being anti-vax or or whatever the fucking issue. I don't need to go into all the details of it. Right. You know, it's, it's an unfortunate dilemma because there's no true answer. How do you tell when that happens? And I guess I can't even equate a thought to it because I almost fear it. Like I say, I'm an old punk rock kid. If I accidentally became successful, I would have to stay true to my ethics and continue to be myself. I don't want to not be me. Right. And but and even, there's a responsibility to have. And that yes. sucks because I didn't ask for it. I, I, I don't want to end there because Do you not. All right. I, let's keep I, it going. I, I understand that responsibility. Yeah. And that is something that for the sake of. being somebody that can be positive and try to spread a message, Mm -hmm. you know, like I, people could go back and hack up things that we said on turnbuckle boogie and they could put out a smear piece just like they tried to do with other people. Right now, granted, I'm not dumb enough to openly say things like the N word on a podcast. 
Or even you know, in private, just to yeah. be clear, folks. Well, he's, yeah. This is not Cody. But, you know what? You have sat here with me and giggled at shit that I've said, and yes. that makes you guilty of crimes against humanity, humanity. brother. Yeah, and, and ultimately, you know, even the thing that I really want to get through, and I don't want to have the last word on this. You close this out and you take this home however you want to. The one thing that I really want people to understand is, is that if you close yourself off from not even listening to what idiots have to say, sometimes you might get something from the idiot, right? You might learn something about why they are the way that they are. Mm -hmm. You might end up hearing something, a bit of information that you may need to know to go throughout the rest of your life with, you know, there's a lot of people I turn off. Right. Yeah. But especially when someone's in the same field as me, mm -hmm. I have to sometimes take in consideration what people say, whether or not I like them personally, there's some people that I'm okay with them being cast off for the rest of eternity. <laughs> right. Right. Because I know who they are as people and I've developed my opinion not on just what they say, but what they do, right? But just because someone says something that you necessarily don't agree with, as long as it's not insanely egregious, right? everyone picks and chooses what they want to be mad at. And that's what upsets me is because one person will say, well, yeah, I don't like my friend Bob because my friend Bob just has these Republican views and we're not friends anymore. And then you turn around and you're friends with Frank and he's also Republican, but he's got a really cool car, <laughs> right? right? That's, that's the analogy that I'm going to use. And I know people like Bob and fucking Frank, yeah. right? Yeah. You know? So if, and if there's something that I'm mad about, I'm fucking mad about it. Whether I hear it from Bob or Frank, you feel what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I wish that more people had that in them. I don't want people to close themselves off from learning everything that they possibly can. There's a good book that I read recently called um, Woke Racism, written by John McHorder, who is a, a literary um, professor at, uh, I forget what, university. Very smart guy. African-American, just he does a lot of uh, interview segments around varying, you know, uh, talk shows and such. Mm -hmm. It's a fantastic book and it alludes to a problem that's going on in our culture uh, <clears throat> about how the, I know woke is sort of a tired phrase, but it's, yep. it's the best way to identify it. But this sort of hyper progressive sensibility, it's nice that it comes from a good place and a good heart. The problem is, is people don't realize that they've turned it into a religion yep. and people who don't agree with the, the tenets of the religion are Nazis or evil or whatever. Um, something I've sort of learned about myself over the past, I don't know, six months, you know, I always worried that I was a sociopath because I felt like I didn't have empathy, uh, in certain scenarios. I've come to learn that it's not true. I have a great amount of empathy. Um, uh, I understand as much as, you know, I've expressed on today's episode that I disagree uh, with Donald Trump and all of his supporters. And um, to a certain extent, I think a large part of them are a bunch of goofs. But I'm also understand, you know, I'm somebody who's been around the world. 
in various locations. Uh, culturally, I have nothing in common with, um, I don't know, a, a black dude from Georgia or a white dude from Kentucky or, you know what I mean? There, there's so much more gray area from person to person. Yeah. Even in our own Valley, who doesn't really have a culture, you know, La, the Las Vegas Valley is very mixed with yeah, people from around, not even the country, the world who have settled here and, you know, uh, I have people who I know who are liberal, but will tell you the most racist joke in the world. I have people I know who are hardcore Republicans, um, but are good people despite the fact they 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 would say things that you that have contradicting opinions, contradicting opinions, and that these these people who treat that hyper liberalism as a as a religion would consider them a white nationalist or whatever, you know, I'm more empathetic for everyone in the world. I recognize that we're all different. I wish everybody wasn't segmented into groups yep. because it, it creates group think. It's why I really uh, discourage um, sort of mob attacks and, and uh, uh, you know, sort of t Twitter dragging mm -hmm. things like this. Um because it flies in the face of critical thinking. I empathize with human beings, and all I want is what's best for humanity. I don't hate Jim Cornette. He sounds like me when I talk about music. Hey, what do you think of Imagine Dragons? Well, here's what I think about Imagine Dragons. I'd like to make them into a human centipede, and I'd like to make that lead singer the butt so that everyone's shit has to pass through his mouth because I fucking hate them. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you will hear that, but in wrestling form on every Jim Cornette podcast. Yes. However, I'm not as popular as Jim Cornette, so a million people don't fucking take what I say and repeat it on Twitter all day, turning me into a notorious asshole. That's the freedom I have. Jim Cornette doesn't get to share the same freedom, unfortunately. And it's a, an unfortunate position to be in, but he also has... The privilege of being a man of a certain age. And God bless him. When you get to a certain age, you just throw your hands up and say, I don't fucking care anymore. <laughs> Turnbuckle Boogie is a Devo Looter production and is produced by Timothy Styles and Cody Hancock with web production and music provided by Timothy Styles. For more information, go to turnbuckleboogie.com. And for booking information on Cutthroat Cody Hancock, go to cutthroatcody.com. See you next Monday.